Welcome to yet another episode of the Delta Flyers with Robbie McNeil and myself. And this week, our special guest is our good friend, Jeffrey Combs, the very talented Jeffrey Combs. Welcome, Jeff. How are you? I am great. It's a very hot day here, but I'm really happy to talk to you two friends of mine. You know, we never worked together, you guys. I know. We never did. I want to work with you, Jeff. I I, really do. I don't understand. Let's just start right now where it all began for Jeffrey Allen Combs, which was Oxnard, California. What was it like, Oxnard in 1950s? What was that like? I mean, I'm just, was it sparse? Was it kind Um, of, I don't know. Well, you know, a lot of the West Coast uh, is dotted with agricultural yeah which oxnard was not that my family was in agriculture and like uh military uh aerospace mm-hmm. uh there were jobs there uh, yeah. like civil servant jobs uh point magoo is there so my parents were from the ozarks and they came to california like a lot of uh people did post world war ii and okay. started you know, had jobs and started a family. And so that's why I was kind of born in Oxnard. My dad was actually working uh, at the time on one of the islands, the Channel Islands. Oh, wow. For the military, although he was a civilian, and he would be stationed out there for like, you know, three or four days and then take the boat in and be home for three or four days it's so so that was his gigs so we lived so, in uh oxnard so okay that's the that's why you were in that seaside community oxnard and it your father was a civilian contractor for the military not a contractor but, civilian c- civilian civil servant civil servant so he was an employee civilians that work yeah. for the for the government. Right. He's Got a government it. employee that happened to be yeah. in the military side of it. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And just so everybody knows where Oxnard is. Yeah. Oxnard is just a little north of Los Angeles and yes. Malibu and stuff. It's right. along the coast. It's north of Los Angeles, but it's south of Ventura. Of Santa Barbara. Or Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Just right kind of there. right in the middle of the that area. And it's let's all just give it the central coast. Is yeah, central it, coast. Uh-huh. But let's give it more context. If you're buying real estate in Malibu, very expensive. If you're buying seaside real estate in uh, Santa Barbara, very expensive. Oxnard, you could get something. You okay. could get much more for your money. The dream could still be alive. It could still yes. be alive in Oxnard. And very it's, family it's, oriented, like you is. said. I like there's Oxnard still, personally. There's still a lot of farms out there. Mm-hmm. I, I was watching an old uh, Johnny Carson, and he was doing Karnak. Karnak the Great, yes. Yeah. He pulls out the envelope and he goes, Oxnard. <laughs> did and he Ed really? Got, yes. He did. The, he said and Oxnard? Ed, and Ed goes, Oxnard. And he gives him a look and blows the thing and opens it. And he said, what's the least desirable part of an ox? <laughs> <laughs> That's Actually, Oxnard's named after a, a man. Is the, uh, there, if you're from LA, there's a huge, long boulevard in the valley called Oxnard Street. Oh, that's a, that's a name. That's a that's a last name of somebody, right? Oxnard. Is that what you're saying? Okay, Mister yeah. Mister Oxnard. It's a beautiful last name for yeah. somebody. Uh, but uh, he was a beet beet farmer. Oh my oh, god! Wow, did not uh, know that. When 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 we talk about Oxnard. 
my mind goes to this. Some, there's some other communities around Oxnard. There's uh, Camarillo. There's Camarillo. Santa Paula. My sister lives in Cam- Camarillo, Camarillo, Santa Paula, Moore Park. Moore Park. Uh, there's Ojai out there. Ojai, yeah. yes. yes. But I always think of uh, the in Santa Paula, there's a small airport where Steve McQueen used to keep a hangar. And he would leave Hollywood when he was on a TV star before he became a movie star. Oh, my God. He'd go up there on the weekends and he would fly airplanes. He had his motorcycles that he and cars that he raced wow. in Santa Paula. That's all around that Oxnard oh, it area. It was toy yeah. place. It was, it was his, his play area with all this. Yeah. Amazing. And it was country back then. And he could wow. go riding his dirt bikes up in the hills and. Yeah. yeah. So Steve McQueen's personal playground back in the day was Oxnard. It was just in Santa Paula, just Santa Paula. Paula. It's kind of near Oxnard. It's yeah. that sort of area. Wow. Anyway, I didn't live very long in Oxnard. Okay, so give us, yeah, bring us, then bring us up to date. Where'd you go from Oxnard to where? Well, I honestly, guys, I don't remember much about my young, young childhood. I mean, who does? But I think mine was compounded by the fact that I, I didn't see very well. Oh. Um, so I don't have very, I didn't know that. Yeah. You don't know that you can't. Uh, focus on yeah. things when you can't when you have no uh no context yeah. really yeah i'm i'm i've always been befuddled why my parents didn't see yeah. that i couldn't see i do remember often being told jeff watch where you're going well you know <laughs> would have been good you know maybe the, i don't know maybe why an they, eye exam would have been see. So, so I was in second grade when that came up. But anyway. But but to oh. your parents' credit, you're one of nine kids. So maybe you got lost in the shuffle. Uh, definitely. In the order of nine, where are you? It's complicated. It's sort of. We're a blended family. Early uh-huh. My mom was married once before and had two kids, my older brother and my older sister. And my dad was married once before and had an older sister. So then they got together and had one, two, three, four, five, a t- six kids but two of them didn't survive oh, oh. sorry to hear that okay and uh, where are you in i'm in- the youngest boy and i have two younger sisters okay yeah and these are full uh the younger sisters are 100 your your blood sister like, and my and old, and one of my older brothers two older brothers. you know in our family we never uh wow. made those delineations of like well you're half from that right you never said that you just your brothers understood understood i have a question though to go back to two of the children in your family didn't survive that's got to be a profound experience do you remember that or remember one can you talk about the first one was uh really sort of tragic in that before i was born Mm -hmm. my, my mom was pregnant and my uh a tragedy in life my my dad's brother was killed in world war ii and they had a program after the war of uh we will disinter the remains in europe Mm -hmm. and free of charge if you wish Mm -hmm. bring them back so that they can be buried in the family graveyard so you Mm -hmm. can be near them yeah Yeah. to me that's just really touching you know Yeah. yeah And and so that's what my grandparents opted to do. And you mind you, this is like three, four years, after, five, yeah. maybe five years after the war. Right. So 
my dad, we were living in California, and my dad insisted that they drive back. And mind you, this is probably 49, 48. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. To For the reburial of his brother, mm-hmm. his oh. older brother. Yeah. And my mom was pregnant. Uh. And she didn't really want to go, but mm-hmm. he really wanted to represent in every way for yes. his. So she had a miscarriage when they got to uh, Arkansas. Oh, wow, man. Wow. So, wow. A lot of heaviness uh, layered upon one thing, uh, layered upon another there. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a yeah. lot for them. That's to... a lot. That's a yeah. lot. Cut ahead to my younger, I had a younger brother, Joey. Mm-hmm. And he didn't live very long. He grew, he was born with a lot of problems. My mom was way too old to mm-hmm. have another child. Uh, I think she was 45. And in those yeah. days, in the 60s, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like less, less hopeful than it is now. Right. And, yeah. um, uh, he was born Down syndrome and with uh, some real bad heart conditions. Mm-hmm. And so he struggled along for uh, six, eight months and wow. passed away. Wow. That was fifth grade. And that really ripped a veneer off my reality a little bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, seeing my, my parents grieve. Yeah. As they did. Wow. So it did make a... Uh, deep imprint that that life is snatched like that yeah yeah absolutely well Well, thank you first of all for sharing so openly about those very sensitive things because they're important and i remember being very touched by all my class that they gave me a card and they all signed it you know yeah when i came back from uh uh the break to go through the funeral and all that stuff yeah but it's it's just you said you were in fifth grade at the time. So you, you don't really have, you're still a child yourself. You're not, you don't have the wherewithal to process a death of a a family member at that, yeah. at that age. And to watch your parents grieve, that must've been just scary as all. I mean, that must've also impacted you. Yeah. In a, well, in a way. it was, I, I had never seen my father uh, break down like that before. Yeah. 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 It's and it's rough when you and the first time you, anybody sees their dad cry, it's just like it, it, it moves you and pulls your heartstrings and moves you in a way that you've never been moved before. And also, sure. some really ghoulish things sort of happen. My aunt, my dad's sister, mm. at the uh, the viewing, yeah, yeah, at the mortuary, you know, yeah, I did not want to go up and see my, of course, I, I, I get that. I've, I'm, no. I'm not a fan of those. And, uh, so I'm on the other side of the room sitting there and she came up and insisted that could now you, you just have to come and see your brother and sickness mm. uh, you know so Ugh. on top of the uh trauma is this insistence that you you know do, do something mm. you don't want to do like that did you ever talk to Kate Mulgrew does she, have you ever had a conversation with her about these things because I know oh, there's yeah. in her family there were some siblings that were lost as well and I know it had a deep impact on her life and her family relationships. Oh, I'd like to have a conversation with her. Honestly, uh, her first day on your show, uh, yeah. I was in the same hair trailer with her for a little while, but we were dealing with our, yeah, she was dealing with hair options. It, yeah. It, <laughs> yes. you know, the, the first day hair options for, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
And I've ridden many an elevator with her. <laughs> I had a nice conversation like that with uh, Avery Brooks. Oh, but more about the, we, we lost our mothers around the same time. Mm. Or at least we lost our mothers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too early. And, um, wow. And and so, you know, he's a bit of an enigma, but I, I think that's sort of softened. Uh, yeah, for sure. Core a little bit. Wow. Yeah, I lost my mother very young. My mother was 39 when she passed away. Oh, that's but far too young. Far too I young. Mean, yeah. That must have just devastated you. Yeah. Yeah, how, it did. How old I think were you? I was 18. Oh, no, no. Or maybe I just turned 19. I, yeah, oh, I just turned 19. Right Robbie. After I turned 19. Robbie. Yeah, yeah. 39 years old. That's just uh, tragic. When you had that conversation with him, that was while you were filming on DS9 or afterwards at a convention? We were in the makeup trailer after shooting. Yeah. Mm. Gotcha. Wow. Getting out of makeup. I, I have found with actors that there has to be an empathy to play characters, to to put yourself in imaginary circumstances and feel feelings and yeah. have empathy. I find with actors, some of the greatest conversations in my life have been with other actors, you know, sh talking about things like this in a way that I think a lot of people are afraid to often resist kind of. They don't change yeah. the subject or yeah. but you know it is it is the stuff that pushes us around and forms us and yeah. uh, for better or for ill you know it, mm. it to this day it's uh i'm sure you're the, feel the same way robbie uh my mother's not in my life my mother was not there for my children yeah yeah yeah. That's why I really, you, you know, you put this stuff away and you compartmentalize. And then I had kids and I was like, mm. my mom, you'll yeah. never know. My kids will never know. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, Jeff, I took my uh, my grandmother who uh, uh, lived to her 90s and I was very close with my mom's Bless. mom. Yeah, Bless. She, Bless. she was awesome. And my grandmother passed away around 2003 or so, something like that. And my kids had all met my grandmother and knew that she was really important to me. And when she passed away, I flew back to North Carolina for my grandmother's funeral. And my daughter came with me. My daughter was about 13, yeah, about 13 or so. My daughter came with me to my grandmother's funeral and we went to the cemetery and did, and it was very emotional. And then after all of the services were done and we were just kind of taking some time by the graveside and my grandmother's buried next to her husband who'd passed away and some other family members around. Yeah. And I said to my daughter, I said, Taylor, you know, you never met my mom, grandma Vicky, you never met her. And she's buried right here in the cemetery. Do you want to go see where my mom's buried? And she said, sure. And Taylor, my daughter, 13, she was like, sure. Yeah. Let's go do that. Yeah. Dad, that'd be good for you. And you know, we should do that. And she seemed very lighthearted about it. And anyway, we walked over and I hadn't been there in a while. So I had to kind of look around and found it. And then when I stood there with my daughter, 13 years old, and we're looking at it for a few seconds, she suddenly burst into tears. Mm. She burst like, mm. I don't know where it came from. My cousins were not far away. They'd walked over with us. And she... She said to me, I, I've heard about your mom. 
I've seen some photos. There's not a lot of them because my mom didn't like her picture taken. So there, there wasn't a lot of reality that I ever had a mother to, to my kids. Mm-hmm. But when my daughter stood there with me and saw her grandmother's name on a stone, you know, and I think that was really, uh, it was hard, but it was really important for my daughter. I think it really meant a lot to her to be well, there. It also brought it real to her all of a sudden it wasn't a a, uh, obtuse thing it was story some history reality and there it is and yeah what did i miss here yeah 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 my dad is so great what must his mother have been like yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i also feel like you know you talk you you're talking earlier jeffrey about how you know, it's so tough for you not to have your mom around to have seen for your mom to have seen your children. But I will say this, I do believe that, you know, our bag of bones that we have, that is our body, it is animated by something that I believe is energy and soul, and it's still there. So when you say that she doesn't know, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say your mom's spirit knows she's seen your kids. She's been there. She's next to you. On she's some cosmic on, level. On a, on a different level, on a different plane of existence. She, she knows. guided them. She could have. She could, most definitely. And I Dude, don't know. Your mom, I do believe your mom is the guardian angel for your children and for you, basically. My mom was really a remarkable woman. And yeah. you want to talk about family tragedies. Uh, she is... I, I cannot imagine this. My mom is one of six sisters. Mm, wow. Like stepping stones. Mm-hmm. I think my mom's the second oldest. Mm-hmm. So their father, my grandfather, who I never met, was a uh, truck driver. And in 1942, he was on a run and fell out of the truck and was killed. Mm-hmm. Leaving. Six stone daughters and a uh, a, a wife. Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. Uh, and all of my aunts, just the, they're, they're all gone now, except for mm. one. They, they were all just wonderful women, mm. you know, all different and all just so loving. Yeah. And uh, in the face of all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like, you know, one thing that comes to mind, Jeff, is the, you know, you're, you come from a lot of large families, you know. Well, when you're from the South, (laughs) the thing about large families, and I didn't come from a large family. uh, Neither did I. The thing about large families that I see as an observer of them is there is so much love and so much um support amazing yeah just a tribe of people that are so deeply tied together in so many amazing ways so it can bring all of these great gifts of love and connection and yeah and community but when you've got numbers that size it's also going to bring a lot of heartbreak there's gonna be there's just one way or another eventually yeah. yeah since then i've lost my oldest brother and i've lost one of my younger sisters yeah so we are uh it's still visiting us yeah losses you know yeah part of it's the the size and just the numbers you know i've got one sister and in a way i'm kind of glad like as long as we're good i don't have to deal with you know 
the ten other a dozen other people. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah. I, I, it evens out though. You have all that joy. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Our Christmases were chaotic and sane. I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. So uh, Christmases were chaotic and insane. Let me bring this back around to acting, your career, and creativity and things like that. Was there any of that in your family? Was there creative people? Were there people that painted or wrote or danced or played music? Was any of that? No. None. Really? Not really. Oh, oh uh, wow. I've, I've heard that my... My grandfather, who who tragically died, could play um, uh, the you know like the guitar or a uh-huh. fiddle. Uh-huh. Okay, here he could do that. Yeah, and I know that my grandfather on my dad's side was like a tenor in the church choir or something. Uh-huh. High, mm-hmm. you know, tenor voice, mm-hmm. but musical to the point of of having a career out of it or anybody uh being an any sort of artistic uh-huh. bent other than what quilting and crocheting and right crafts or things like that yeah crafts but th- i had no one no one so where did it come from then where yeah. did this where did because you have been an incredibly creative your career is not just some tv shows and things but it's been theater and movies and was it grade school that play or was it middle school play what was it that lured you into this i was very lucky where i grew up let's just say that yeah. I, I actually grew up in a town called lompoc lompoc yep uh-huh i know where that is me too my dad civil servant got a transferred to a job at vanderbilt air force base mm-hmm. which is right outside of lompoc so near Lompoc is a town called Santa Maria. I know that too, yes. 20 miles up north. And I just was born at the right place at the right time because there was a, a how do I say this? It's, it's so serendipitous. Hmm. Before we moved to Lompoc, we lived in Santa Maria and we rented this house that was on a dead end. And there was a field and I used to play in that field. For hours. So then we moved to Lompoc, and unbeknownst to me, that field was turned into a community college. Oh. That that land was wow. Was a, a we called it a junior college, but it's community college was yeah. there. And as luck would have it, a, a man, a visionary man, a true lover of theater and, and an entrepreneur of sorts, uh, was uh, the drama department head and mm-hmm. he loved theater and he did everything he could to uh for theater now i'm in sixth grade i'm in lompoc hmm. one day the teacher says next week sign this form we're going on a field trip because we're going to go see a play mm. wow and uh play i don't know what <laughs> And so we get in buses and we go over to, and this is before the big theater was ever built Yeah, to this little theater. And I remember sitting third row center, just by luck, third row center. And it was the children's production of, um, of uh, Emperor's New Clothes. Uh The Emperor's New Clothes. Okay. Uh, Yep. And I was like, what is, uh, what's this? (laughs) 
they're having a blast here <laughs> and uh this is a world and i didn't realize it but it made a uh, deep impression on yeah. me yeah and then uh it went dormant until um i took a drama class for an easy a junior yeah. junior you know elective it's an elective uh you know and girls there'll be girls yeah. it'll be easy yeah. That was at which college was that that you took that, that was elective? My high school. Oh, that was high, high school. You school. took an elective of oh, drama yeah. class. All right. I didn't even audition for the play. Okay. Here, I didn't do that. I didn't want to do that. And uh, the teachers, some days later, said, "Jeff, could you stay after?" I was like, "Oh shit!" And he said, uh, "Someone dropped out, and I want you to do it." And I went, "No." <laughs> Were you a shy kid? Were you a? I don't know why I'm. I would get the impression you might have been a little bit shy. An introvert. I, I I was very hyper, hyper because uh -huh. I'm born in September. I was right on the cusp of getting into like even kindergarten. Yeah, okay. uh, early, but two. You know, I remember I, I have it here somewhere. But my kindergarten teacher said, you know, it might be be good for Jeff to stay back a year. Oh, because your but, birthday. Yeah, I'm a November birthday. It was the same thing for me. I'm early November, and so it was like, do we? And yeah, and I ended up being the youngest. I did start early and I was always a year behind. Everybody got their driver's license earlier. Not only just driver's license, how about like puberty? Puberty. And oh, it's girls tough. liking it's you. Tough. You're too, you're, oh, you're so cute, but you're not what they're looking for. No. They're you're, looking for the, you know, you're their little brother. You're not their uh, romantic wait, option. You know, yeah, exactly. And so it was kind of, I was always, I was just a late bloomer. I was always like behind the curve that everybody else was yeah. maturing at, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so a uh, shy, uh, yes, yeah, so I was probably pretty shy, but I was also pretty kinetic. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I couldn't stop fidgeting. I, I didn't have the greatest attention spent a lot of you know yeah but by high school you had figured out the glasses and the vision and things like that so you were well reading yeah but or... i mean that was another thing when you do find out that you need glasses in second grade and they put these things on your face and then yeah. suddenly everybody's calling you four eyes and yeah, you sure that really slams your spirit uh, yeah definitely kids are ruthless uh, not cruel cruel but just sort of categorizing you right away oh yeah you know yeah um so i was always called like you know ernie yeah. you know for my three sons you know the youngest right, right, in the class yeah. that was <laughs> even in spanish class it was like yeah. oh there's no jeff in spanish how about ernesto it's like <laughs> ernesto <laughs> <laughs> because you look that good. It's like, great. Thanks, Teach. Thanks, Teach. So, All right. Um, to, to, so to pull you back in for the segue, what you were saying was there was somebody in a in your drama class had a dropped out of the play, and your teacher had said you need to fill in, and I you want said, you to do no. this part. I said yes. no, but they, him, him, and a friend of mine who was playing the lead in this thing uh, kind of cornered me for like thirty minutes, and I finally relented and said, okay, yeah. fine. But I remember distinctly going home saying, why did I say yes? <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny, Jeff? I'm going to pause you in your story for a second. Don't forget where you're at. I did I almost did the same thing. We had just moved to Atlanta. My little sister was taking tap or jazz class or ballet or whatever she was doing. And my mom comes home one day and says, hey, they're doing the Wizard of Oz at the dance studio and they needed 100 munchkins. You want to do it? You can meet a bunch of kids. 
And I was like, sure, whatever. I had never seen a play that I can recall. <laughs> yeah. And then the day of the audition, we get to this dance studio place and my mom's walking me up. I'm like, nope, I don't want to do this. I do <laughs> not want to do this. Why did I say yes to this? Exactly. And my mother said, you have an appointment. You made a commitment. You <laughs> need to go in there. You don't have to do it. You can tell them, no, thank you. But you need to fulfill your commitment. I remember yeah. she was really big on that. You, yeah. Your name is on the list and they're expecting you. Right. And so I had to go in and they asked me to sing a song. I said, I don't have any songs I know. And they said, what about happy birthday? Just sing happy birthday. <laughs> I sang happy birthday. And there were, there were so much praise and warmth and support that I ended up doing the play. And that began my thing. But same thing. Like, yeah. why did I say yes to this? I was... Yeah. If, the regret, the, the resistance oh, is yeah. what's so um, remarkable. Like, I, I, I don't want to do that. So after high school, it was a natural leap for me to go to that college. My mom worked for uh, one of the local high schools. And so she got these flyers from from the theater department at the college about plays that they were doing. I'd get these things that look at them and stuff. This is like when I went to high school, you know, I was like, yeah. Oh. And I went over and saw a couple of uh, productions to give you an idea. I saw the two, first two things I saw there before I ever went there was, are you ready? The Fantastics. Mm. Ah, I love the Fantastics. And Harold Pinter's The Caretaker. <laughs> oh, what? A, wow. wow. Those were the two that you saw? Yeah. <laughs> Very so, so, different styles for so those listening. Different. Yeah, can you explain totally that? Totally different. One's a musical, The Fantastics. It's precious. Yeah, classic, precious, lightweight, precious, you know, lightweight, sweet. Try to remember the kind of September. Explain Pinter, Jeffrey, to people. Well, they don't know British uh, boiler, boiler pot kind working of class, very urban, weird, weird, <laughs> slightly experimental, hear, very, very kind of experimental language. Pinter pause. Yes. Like, can I just ask both of you, are you two fans of Pinter? Yes or yeah. no? Yes. I am, actually. I do. Okay. I like Pinter. Right. He's yes. fascinating to me. His characters are just these people. It's really like dark snapshots yes. of okay. Brit urban living right. or yeah. post-war kind of. Post-war kind of cynical. Yes. And Very and cynical, dark. Pinter pause is like he would Bleak. write long pause. And so actors, characters would come into a room and go, what are you doing? Well, you ask, you know, these <laughs> yes. sort of long pause. They had pauses where nothing and everything is going on, you know? Oh my God. This is at the junior college, right? You saw yes. the play of the GC. Okay. So by this time you have, after, but from seeing, uh, Emperor's New Clothes to, decided to go to this college yeah this man had had gotten a bond passed with the city of santa maria as well as the college got funding and built a replica of the guthrie the, the guthrie, guthrie in, in, in minnesota a thrust oh my stage, gosh thrust stage and if you ever you drive up that coast sometimes and mm -hmm. you go to solvang and you mm -hmm. notice there's a theater there it's called mm -hmm. the Solvang Theater Fest. Maybe mm -hmm. you've seen it. Maybe you know it. It's the same dimensions as the theater that's on the campus because wow. we, in the summer we would do summer reps and bus and truck 
outdoor, indoor, outdoor, indoor. Wow. Six different shows. This is where I, um, why I'm here talking. So the junior college, what is this teacher's name? This man that ran the place? Donovan Marley. Donovan Marley. Marley. Donovan Marley, a, a icon in the theater world especially wow. on the west coast and the J- jc's name was the junior alan college? hancock college alan hancock college which then when you graduated you moved on to another university is that I right went to i i realized i'm doing a lot of plays i'm getting a lot of experience i'm working with older actors and really yeah. seeing how this the discipline of all of this yeah. and the importance of it but i knew that i needed more classwork like like an acting class a movement class a voice yeah. class learn how to uh, do stage combat learn, yeah. learn, conservatory you know, training standard conservatory, conservatory training yes, yes. yes. All okay of that. and so i auditioned for a number of things and i got accepted to university of washington had an actor training program seattle u-dub good old u-dub okay yes all right. And so I moved to Seattle and lived there for three years and went through that program. What years was that? 75 to 78. So you went to UW. You're in Seattle. Did you like Seattle? Were you a fan of Seattle? I mean, how was that experience there, living there? Um, it was suddenly uh, lonelier for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's such great um, camaraderie and sense of company when mm-hmm. I was at PCPA, Pacific Conservatory of the Performing Arts, which Helen Hancock College. Right. That's uh-huh. what we call it, PCPA. Yeah. So, so now I was like, you know, kind of lonely. And then it's kind of being a California boy, that weather really uh, took a yeah. toll on me. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Seattle weather. I got to admit, it gets to me. It gets uh, to me. There's not a lot of sunshine oh, <laughs> going on. All yeah. of a sudden, I could play Hamlet, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ideal place to play Hamlet. It's Seattle. It's unbelievable. In those days, it was pre-Starbucks. Oh, pre- right. Everything. That's right. So I think there was one Starbucks. Oh, my God. Down at Pike Street. Like, it yeah. just opened. Uh, wow. But I couldn't afford a fancy cup of coffee in those days. Yeah. <laughs> From your program, anyone else uh, hit as much fame as you did from your from your years there? Uh, well, my great good friend Harry Groner. Oh yeah, oh. Mm-hmm. he was two years ahead of me. Uh, there's a number of people that went through the University of Washington. Uh, Robert Culp. Robert oh. Culp as well. Wow, and who's but the you... guy who was in the original? Dune, uh, Kyle McLaughlin. Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, Kyle, Kyle McLaughlin, McLaughlin went to UW. All right. Patrick Duffy. There oh, you go. Wow. All before or after me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my best friend, um, it wasn't quite so lonely for me. He got in the program with me. We'd known each other since third grade, fellow actor. Oh, that's great. We, yeah. And we roommated together for a while up there. And we're still, today's his birthday. Oh, uh, what's his name? You're... Mark Harrier is happy his name. birthday, Mark Harrier. I feel like I've worked with Mark Harrier before. You probably. I, I think well I've directed him. him in a pilot I did many years ago. This, oh, that's crazy! Yeah, he's 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 a very talented actor. He, he kind of reminds you a little bit of Sam Waterston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. So you knew him from Lompoc days, is what First you're saying? Grade. Oh, oh my god. god. <laughs> That's I awesome. love that you're still friends with a childhood friend and yeah. that he's a creative person. Yes. That you like can you. still share that that connection. I have fr- uh, a couple of friends like that that I 
have been friends since we all started yeah. community nothing, theater together. And there's nothing we're still... better in the memories that we can oh yeah pull up uh, just yeah, a oh, word yeah. and they go, oh God, don't know what I'm talking about. You know, or <laughs> nothing better than old friends. Yeah. 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 So that's what I did. And uh, right out of there, we all got in a shitty car, you know, one of those driveway cars that needs to be in San Francisco things on our spring break and we went down and auditioned in our last year for what we were going to do for the summer you know regional theaters or mm-hmm. and i remember one of them was uh the old globe in san diego in san diego and, uh, yeah uh, well i'm not getting this man i'm not the shakespeare guy uh whatever <laughs> and they said jeff would, you, would we like to offer you a summer come on down ah oh, nice wow so from Seattle to San Diego was, uh, you know. That's a huge difference. You went from no sun to only sun because San Diego is probably arguably the best weather in the nation, I'm going to say. Kind of like paradise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the old there. globe is so exciting. It's it's in Balboa Park, right? It's park. a, in it's the a park. beautiful, beautiful environment. Great theaters, a bunch of different theaters. I was supposed to do a play there once. I actually went down and uh, was looking at the housing and all of that. And yeah, then what was it? Yeah. It was a new musical. It was going to be in their smaller theater. Are you um, a musical? I used to do a lot of musicals. Yeah. I didn't and know that. The, yeah. He could sing. I was a, yeah, I was supposed to, my daughter had just been born. This was 1990. My daughter had just been born. I had gotten cast in this new musical that was going to be premiered down at the old globe. And I went down to look at the cast housing yes. because I had a baby, a brand new baby that was a and month old. Yeah. You got to, yeah. So I wanted to take a look at it because we were living in LA at the time. And then literally while I'm looking at housing, my agent called, this was on a Saturday. My agent called and said, Hey, remember that show you auditioned for in New York just before you moved out called six degrees of separation. He goes, they want, you to come back i think you're going to get this and it's going to broadway (laughs) and i was like okay i can go to broadway right that you didn't get it and they but they i had a they they auditioned months before they auditioned for that show jerry zacks who directed six degrees the original production jerry zacks uh has a reputation for using the audition process as a bit of a rehearsal He'll see people over and over and over and he'll try different things. So he kind of works out all of his directing ideas by looking at what the actors do when they audition and kind of stealing that idea and this idea. Oh, that's crazy. So I had auditioned for that show three, four months before maybe. Right. And gone in a couple of times. And then I moved to California. Do you remember who was going to direct the thing down in uh, the Globe? I don't even remember. All I remember is it was a Saturday and I'm down in Balboa Park. We had just looked at the housing, which was nice. They had some nice condos or things they had for people. And I had gone by the theater just to poke in. And I was supposed to start rehearsals like in two weeks or something. It's amazing. Oh my God. It's amazing. And then I literally on the Saturday, my agent called on a Saturday. He's like, you need to fly to New York tomorrow. <laughs> they want to see you Monday. Yeah. Because they had they had cast an actor. Um, I didn't. Sorry to go off on this long story. They had cast an actor named Paul McCrane because I was out of town. I didn't go to my last audition because oh. Jerry had auditioned over and over and over, and I had moved to California. And I remember them calling and saying they want to see you again. And I said, I'm in California. I'm not doing. I'm not going to go back and do this little 
you know, six week run at the, at the new house off Broadway. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to pick up my life to it's do not six worth your weeks. time. It's not, worth moved it. on. not for, I had moved on. Well, the show opened in the new house, the small theater and got the greatest reviews of all time. But Paul McCrane couldn't do any more than the six week run. I see. Mm. And so they were going to extend the run through the summer and then move to Broadway in the fall. And they had to recast Paul because he could only do the six week run. So that's why they called me and they, and, and I flew back and it doesn't anyway, matter. Anyway, that's the part, that that's the part, but that's my, that's my old globe story. I never worked at the old globe. I was very almost, close. Almost so close. Jeff, I don't know if you know this, but Robbie actually played uh, the original Jack in into the woods. That's right. The second, I was the second. Oh, Jack. you were second Jack. Kind Sorry, of like, me. kind of like six degrees. I was yeah. the Broadway that I was uh, six degrees Broadway original cast. Mm-hmm. Um, in Into the Woods, I was the first national tour original cast. Maybe you should join us in the Rat Pack, Robbie. Mm. Oh, look at that. I did a little karaoke with uh, Robert Picardo recently. So. I'm sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> he, may, he forces everyone. <laughs> so funny. Is Bob in the Rat Pack? Who else in the Rat Pack? No, Ethan Phillips is. No, no Ethan, Ethan is. Ethan, Ethan joins in. Bag of jokes. His bag and, of jokes. Yeah. yeah. There's so many of his jokes now. All I have to do is give him the punchline, and he's, <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, you go to the old globe. You do all that. Where do you go from there? Yeah. Well, when I went to the globe, I wasn't equity, which yes. is stage actor union. I wasn't right. equity, um, and the globe in those days toured two of the three summer shows over to Scottsdale, Arizona. Ooh, uh, good for, old Scottsdale. For about a month, you know? Yeah. And while we were over there, the artistic director of the Arizona Theater Company in Tucson yeah. came up and saw the shows and also held auditions for oh. people to be in his company in the coming fall to spring season. Wow. Yeah. And, and uh Again, here I am. Well, I'm not going to that because <laughs> you know I'm not equity. This is equity. It's yeah. an equity, and I'm not equity. Yeah. And my dear friend uh, Jonathan McMurtry, who had sort of taken me under his wing, he was a stalwart at the Globe. He said, "Jeff, just go audition." I I talked to him. You you seen the shows? And just go go to the audition, okay? Yeah. And um, I I got offered a a uh a contract there a contract and an equity wow and a card you got your union card that's a big deal yeah so i moved to tucson soon after when that was all done and uh you know lived there for five months and the globe asked me to come back uh the next season and do another summer let me think about that yes (laughs) and so (laughs) at the end of uh that summer on my birthday, actually, I come out of the dressing room and a woman is there and she says, uh, I'm an agent. I have an office in New York and uh, L.A. and I would like to uh, represent you. Uh, huh. What do you think? Who was that agent? 
Her name was Susan Smith. That was my agent back in the day on what yeah, on the show, the sci-fi board, show we did. Oh my, the sci-fi on the sci-fi show, show yeah. we did. Holy she moly! Is no slouch, as you know, Robbie. No, she is no slouch. She was a, kind of oh. a big deal. She was a real big deal of of the boutique agency. She was the classiest one. What did she see you in in the Globe? That she what did she watch where she came up to you afterwards? What, what was she? I was in a kind of a gangbusters production of Comedy of Errors. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. And uh, I played one of the, uh, there's two sets of twins in that. There's mm-hmm. uh, masters and their servants, and they're both twins, and they get mixed up. And people, you know, they, one comes to the town where the other, they're long lost sets of twins. They right. don't. Mm-hmm. And they meet up and they don't know and people around them get them confused. And, you know, it's a comedy of errors. Yes. And it was zany and uh, fun and kind of the hit of the season. And uh, that's what she saw me. Yeah. And she loved your work, clearly, for her to say that she wanted to rep you right there. I'd love that. Yeah, but there's a dark side to this story, though, Uh Robbie. Uh No. Were you around when Susan Smith and Associates changed to Smith Friedman? Yes, I think I was. Uh I I signed with her in New York. Okay. And she wasn't in New York full time at that time. No, 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 she wasn't. What year did Smith Friedman happen, Jeff? Well, I know exactly because I'm looking at uh, an award up here on my... uh, uh, 1983. No, oh. no, then I came after that. So in 1983, I'd been with Smith, Susan Smith for two or three years. Yeah. You know, it is really hard to make the transition to LA. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to make the transition from being a theater actor to a film and television. Yeah. Actor. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows you. You haven't mm-hmm. done anything on film for anybody to judge. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. Oh yeah. So it takes a little time for you to get some footing and uh, some traction. Yeah. I was doing a play. I was playing the lead in Playboy of the Western World. Mm-hmm. It's an Irish play, classic, mm-hmm. down at South Coast Rep. And on opening night, the stage manager hands me a lovely parchment envelope. It says, Jeff, you got some mail. It's like, oh, and it was from Susan Smith. Mm-hmm. I went, oh, oh, she's welcoming me. Saying, have a nice opening, right? What a nice thing to do. I opened it up and it said, this is a difficult letter to write, but uh, I'm taking on a partner and we have to uh, do some things. And so uh, make some changes and we're going to, we're going to let you go from our agency. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, oh, how dare her. And on parchment, too. How dare she? And on opening night. And on opening night. Oh, man. No, let me correct that. Uh, An hour before. (laughs) An hour before opening night. Oh, God. It's like, uh, Hmm. that was uh, was pretty devastating for me. Yeah, I bet it was. She was a tough cookie. I mean, she was a real tough tough cookie. She was real hard to... I got along with her okay. It's just that, you know, her partner, the guy who hit the... Who was the Friedman? I don't think... I remember that name, but I don't think... Alan Friedman, I think was his name. Yes, I do remember Alan Friedman. I never got to know the guy. He was like unknowable. You couldn't go in and talk with him in his office. He was Mm. just... uh, So when he became a 
full-fledged partner Mm. you know and they go through the list i'm sure he goes i don't know know." it sounds like you got 86 by friedman from the story oh yeah 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 Yeah. although i don't think anybody tells susan smith what to do right anyway that was a big disappointment in my career i it Mm -hmm. didn't take it didn't take long for me to uh get another agent oh yeah i can i'm sure and that play swept the la drama critic circles award that year one nine wow and you were still living in arizona at this time or no oh no no, no. okay you're back you're in la now correct at this point i'm i'm after the i took susan smith up on her offer obviously and moved to la at that point moved to la i got you okay perfect and i'd been there like two or three years yeah and then, yeah. and then the then the axe fell, and then it was like, well, okay. Sometimes the tough realities. I mean, I I've had some what at the time were really difficult career things to go through. So one time uh, I was cast in, as a lead in a big movie that was highly anticipated that had a cast of young actors who all went on to become movie stars, mm-hmm. and everybody knew that this movie was going to make movie stars out of a lot of the people that were involved in this movie, it was just highly anticipated. It was a big deal. Buzz, and I was buzz, cast. Buzz, 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 buzz. I was cast. Yeah. I had a contract. I had a deal. Yeah. And I was a few months away from filming this movie, a couple of months away, mm-hmm. when the director fell out. Uh. And there was a delay. And then they found a new director a couple months later, not maybe a month later. And that new director came to meet with me since I had been cast. He was meeting the people that had already signed contracts. And we had a, a meal. And I knew in that meal that I was not going to be doing this movie. And sure enough, the next week I got a call from Sherry Lansing, who was producing the movie. Uh. <laughs> Sherry Lansing called me and said, this is a difficult call to make. Yeah. It was the that, same. that was your parchment letter right there. That was, that my was your personal letter. parchment letter experience. This is why I relate to baseball. Because a great <laughs> hitter fails. Yeah. 70% of the time. A great hitter is the yeah. 300 hitter. That means he's, he's he's humiliated and fails to do his job 70% of the time. Yeah. yeah. Just, and you have to just, just suck it up, move on. Suck it up and <laughs> yeah. Keep going back have, to bat. And just have the resilience at some point anyway to go, okay, fine. Let's just move on here. Yeah. Is there a, a, a time in your life or an event that kind of creatively defines the way you approach working? I would say it's my, my, my first PCPA. This Uh, was a hot spot. I mean, it it was a a foundry. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's where I was tempered and, and, uh, Yeah. There's a lot of experience and a lot of really great actors going through there. Yeah. Because in the summertime, Donovan would travel the country and audition actors. And so mm. it was a melting pot. I spent a summer with Robin Williams before he was Robin Williams. Wow. Uh, uh, the people that went through there and have gone through there that you two have probably worked with is, mm-hmm. is, is, is a lot. Were there lessons or practices or rituals that you learned then creatively about Um, approaching work that you still do to this day? Preparation, discipline. He really uh, exuded the the notion of an ensemble. Mm -hmm. You're all in this 
together. There's no ego here. Uh, everybody, uh, you know, pulls in the same direction. And uh, hey, Robert Blackman was putting me in costumes when I was 18. At PCPA? Is oh, where Robert Blackman right. was? Look that's at these right. freaking, wow. So many oh my, so many connections. Is PCPA still in existence today? Is Donovan still alive? What's what's happening? Donovan is still alive. Okay. Farther up the coast, but he's no longer affiliated with the program, although it's still there. But I, mm. I you know, yeah. it does theater, but I don't think that it, the heyday, the, the golden era was luckily when when i was there a little bit after it sounds like donovan you have a lot uh, most of your who you are today you owe to donovan and pcpa everything Everything. yeah that's amazing i love that story here's a story for you when i first went there what donovan had all the actors do even though it's just a two-year college and it's a semester uh, but there's a slate of place we're going to do everybody shows up on a particular night and you have to audition in front of your peers Mm. and the directors wow that's what you're gonna do so i went in there i'm you know barely 18 pimple face grunty little doof and i (laughs) i I do everything wrong i really do i do everything wrong you know the piece i chose was so wrong Uh, of an old man oh Uh. (laughs) an old man and you were 19 you were, years old. Yeah, you were a kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's bad. It's wrong. And I took it very seriously. Took yeah. it very, very seriously. Worked on yeah. it a lot. An old man, monologue. Yeah. Uh, had a cane. <laughs> and uh, I got up there and I said my first line and the place roared with laughter. Oh, God. Oh, no. And I went, Okay. I guess it's funny then. Okay, here we go. And uh, Donovan cast me in a lead. Off of that audition. Wow. An audition that I did everything wrong. Wrong. (laughs) And I said, Donovan, you know, why did you do that? And he said, (laughs) energy. Oh. You can't teach that. Mm. Um, And, um, I'm forever grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean that everything went woo after that, it, right? But it, but it was a really lovely way to start. Oh yeah, he gave you a chance, even though everything you did was absolutely wrong in that audition. It wasn't about whether I did it right. It no, was about it, he had enough vision to go past that. Yeah, he could yeah. see beyond it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, it, it, mm. Just a little addendum to that. Yeah. The, the Emperor's New Clothes yeah. that mm-hmm. I saw in sixth yeah. grade. Yes. Directed by Donovan Marley. No. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so, so he totally affected you then. Wow. And then I it was that, dormant. I found that out decades later. You didn't even wow. know that. Oh, wow. When you asked him that question, Donovan, why? Why did you why? cast me? I was waiting for him to say, the cane. The cane is the reason why I cast you. You brought that cane and showed commitment, Jeffrey Combs. No, but no. no it All right. Was, uh, it was your energy. He saw your energy. Well, I think what he meant by that, 
just a kind of a commitment, a stupid bravery, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know yeah. <laughs> what, what he uh, saw there, but uh, yeah, I'm forever grateful for it because I don't, I don't know what I would have done without what I'm doing, what I do. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Well, we've come to that time. We just want to yeah. say thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. For all of our Patreon patrons, we get a little bit more of Jeffrey Combs because he's going to be answering some of our questions. So for those of you who are Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for your bonus material. For everyone else, we will see you next week. Once again, thank you. Thank you, Jeffrey Combs. It's Thanks, been a pleasure. Jeff.